Welcome to I Wish They Knew, a show where leaders in business and education share big ideas that deserve more attention in about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm Joe Hirsch. Today's wish comes from Tessa West. Tessa is an associate professor of psychology at NYU and a leading expert on the science of interpersonal communication. Her work has appeared in numerous outlets in the popular press, including Scientific American, The New York Times, ABC World News, The Guardian, Bloomberg, Strategy and Business, and, get this, was even cited before the U.S. Supreme Court. Put that on your bucket list, folks. She's a regular contributor to the Wall Street Journal and is the author of a great book that I am almost finished, Jerks at Work, Toxic Coworkers, and What to Do About Them. Tessa, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. So what do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew that conflict is not a bad thing, that we should not be afraid of having conflict at work or in our lives in general, but there is a art to confronting well. And I think if we just sort of got used to that message earlier on in our lives, we'd be much better kind of sensing difficulties when they arise and putting out fires before they got too big. But most people are actually terrified of it. Yeah. So like, are you talking about the confrontations that we have in the course of a regular workday? Or are you talking about specific conflicts that we have with, I don't know, the office jerk? I think that people become the office jerk because no one's having those everyday conflicts with them, right? So most of the behaviors that are actually problematic at work start off very small. And they're incremental. People don't walk into the workplace and treat others terribly or micromanage or whatever. They're baby steps. It's, it's a frog and boiling water thing. And if we just got better at telling people those little things the minute they popped up and also being better about getting that feedback ourselves, then I think we wouldn't even be in a position where we have so many office jerks. It's that lack of feedback that happens. Yeah. So we sort of default to the assumption that these people are acting this way intentionally and maybe even enjoy treating us badly, (laughs) but you argue that that's not the case. Yeah, I actually think most of the time when people act like jerks at work, it hurts them just as much as it hurts us. It hurts their careers, it hurts their, you know, upward movement, hurts their progress, hurts their engagement, especially for bosses, it hurts the, the work of everyone who works for them. They don't actually realize they're doing these things. They're not getting the feedback. So I think most of the time, I mean, there's exceptions, but most of the time people are not intentionally trying to ruin our lives at work. It's kind of accidental. Yeah. So we should do a little bit of self-checking and a little bit of inquiry before we immediately leap to conclusions. Um, But I guess the counterpoint to that would be, how do we know that this is actually just misplaced, maybe misguided actions on the part of others and not just something that's much more, I don't know, pathological to their behavior? I think that's a great question. I think to answer that question, you need to look at why people are doing what they're doing. And I think most of us assume there's something about people's personalities or there's bad apples at work that lead them to engage in these things. But if you take a step back, there's almost always a situational explanation. Even for the really egregious stuff, there is something about that workplace that's creating a fertile breeding ground for jerks at work. And often it's actually encouraged by people. And I think once we try to understand the context, I mean, I'm a social psychologist, I'm obsessed with context, then it makes much more sense why people are doing these things. Okay, so name it before you blame it or before you shame it. Um, <laughs> so, so what are some of those 
types of characters that we might run into those profiles of jerks, why is it so important that we first understand that context? And then once we do, what should we do next? I think that's a great question. I think the name it piece is really critical because you want to understand not just one-off behaviors, but kind of a profile of behaviors, you know, chunks of behaviors that tend to go together. So for example, with a kiss up, kick downer, who's kind of my favorite jerk that I love to hate, they are conniving, you know, they're, the boss loves them, but they're mean to you behind your back and a little bit sabotage -y. You can understand why they're doing what they're doing. Often they work in a place that encourages that type of stuff, or the boss has no idea that they're being, you know, taken advantage of, that they have a so-called toxic protege on their hands, you know? And so until you blame that person for doing what they're doing, it's critical to understand, are they doing this to get ahead because it works? Is the boss allowing them to do this because they have no idea it's happening? They're kind of, you know, turning the other cheek or they're too overwhelmed or they're being micromanaged. And once you can understand kind of the lay of the land, then you can figure out your strategy, but you really need to understand the why and the how before you get to the what, what you should do. Okay, so a kiss up, kick downer. What are some other types that we might run into? We probably know these people already. They probably, they may even be working right beside you as you're listening to the show right now. Yeah, you definitely know these people. <laughs> so another one is the credit stealer. So everyone's familiar with this person who tends to be a friend, a boss, a confidant. They take credit for your good ideas or your hard work. The bulldozer is someone we all got very familiar with during the pandemic. They're the ones whose face took up your entire screen on your computer. They take over group processes. You know, they like they love to be in charge and they also love to question process when they don't like outcomes. So they kind of know the right keywords to say to go to leaders to get them to change their mind. Um, so we have folks like this. We also have free writers. You know, so a lot of people don't think of free writers as jerks. They tend to have charisma, they're fun, they're engaging. And they do the veneer of work without actual work, but they take advantage of groups that are very cohesive and work well together. And I think those are kind of the main categories of coworkers. And then of course, everyone's familiar with the micromanaging boss. Um, I, that one doesn't even need explanation. I think the sort of key traits there are that they, everything is urgent and everything is kind of equally important. And the flip side of that, which is the neglectful boss, who also tends to be a micromanager. So when they're not neglecting, they're micromanaging. They kind of go back and forth between these two states. And then the very last one I talk about is the gaslighter, the kind of that really scary person that is pretty pathological. They're lying to create an alternative reality, to cut you off socially, um, to make you afraid of ever speaking out against them. And I think that's kind of the scariest type of true jerk that I talk about in this book. So once you identify who you're really up against, it then brings about a whole different set of solutions. So take, for example, like the kiss, uh, kiss up, kick downer. So when you confront that person head on, that may lead to unintended consequences and even probably derail the hopes of actually resolving the situation. What should we do? Yeah, I think this is a great question. I think a lot of us have instincts that are actually counterproductive. Um, and one of those instincts is that we should confront jerks or bullies at work stand our ground, kind of like you do in the fourth grade and say, you can't pick on me, I won't stand for it. But smart jerks at work tend to have people in power on their side. And so doing that isn't gonna get you very far. Complaining isn't gonna get you very far. You really have to be much more strategic about it. You know, you, if you are going to approach this person, you need to do it with other individuals, um, other potential victims. But I actually suggest you avoid that altogether and go to the boss, but not until you've, garnered a lot of evidence of the damage these people do. 
Um, another thing that we often do that I think goes that that is bad, but it's instinctual is we complain to leaders, our bosses about how we feel about these people, how they make us feel. They make me feel like my work isn't good. They don't trust me. They're disrespectful. But those feelings actually don't carry that much weight with your boss. What they care about is what they do. And if it's a problematic, how widespread that problem is. So you need to come with actual behavioral evidence not your feelings. And I think that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow because we spend a lot of time learning how to be in tune with our feelings and learning how to express them appropriately. And so we often lead with those things when we're complaining about these folks at work. And bosses often pretend to care, but they're sort of like, get out of my office until you have a real problem. And so we need to sort of like be honest with ourselves about, about that potential. So you've sized up the person, you've assessed the strategy, and now you're ready to act. And our instinct, I suppose, is to seek out the people who are our close contacts, our friends, our trusted coworkers, maybe even loved ones. But you argue that it's the people who are outside our immediate circle who might be the best allies for us in these types of situations. Why is that? Yeah, I think that we often underestimate the power of loose ties in helping us solve these problems. And I think we have a temptation to want to complain to the people we trust the most that we think will keep our secrets. But in reality, these people often have the not the most um, potential to sway bosses or leaders. If we cast a wide net, we're more likely to find other potential victims or people who know other potential victims or people who even know our boss or other leaders who know how to scratch their itch, right? So kind of one of my favorite people to go to to deal with jerks at work isn't my boss, but it's my boss's coworker who's worked with my boss for 20 years and knows what persuasive arguments work and what arguments don't? What makes my boss scared? What makes my boss roll her eyes? And I think kind of knowing those little tricks is really critical to actually facilitating these conversations and also to form a bunch of allyships for people who can do indirect things like give you voice at work. So I think kind of another consequence of forming these relationships outside of your immediate network is a lot of the behaviors that actually prevent things like credit stealing and bulldozing are more indirect. They're having power in a room when you walk in, having people listen to you and respect you and give you status. So these things can't happen to you. And the only way we get those things is by forming lots of relationships with a broad network of people at work. So would the same strategies apply if the jerk isn't the coworker, but is in fact your boss? I think that's a great question. People always say to me, this is wonderful, but how do I tell my boss this? And I'd say, you have to tread very lightly when it comes to confronting the boss. And often the things that work, again, kind of go against our instinct. And so for a micromanager, for instance, we want to lead with how this person makes us feel, but that's threatening. That's a terrifying thing to do. So I think leading with what you want someone to do more of and then focusing on what their behavior is preventing you both from achieving is a better strategy. So for instance, the micromanager their goals aren't getting achieved. Your goals aren't getting achieved when they micromanage. You can kind of bring that up without even talking about micromanagement because at the end of the day, bad bosses are hurting themselves as well. And if you can figure out how they're hurting themselves and lead with that weakness instead of the behavior they're engaging in, they're just much more likely to listen to you and actually want to change and not get defensive about their strategy. Yeah, it's smart. It's widening the context so that they see the value and the virtue in, in actually changing course. I love that. Yeah. Sometimes, though, you pointed out, we're the jerks. It's not someone else. <laughs> we're looking right at that person in the mirror. So 
how do we know if we are the problem? And if we are, what do we actually do about it? I think it's really hard to know if you're the jerk. Most people can go their whole careers without finding out. And the people who I talk to who realize they're the jerks, it's never because anybody told them. It's usually because when they left the organization, no one showed up to their going away party or people just don't return their emails in a timely fashion or nobody wants to give them a recommendation for their next job. Crickets is how you know you're the jerk at work. You're not getting negative feedback. You're getting no feedback and you're not getting anyone kind of willing to stick their neck up to support you. So I think the best way to really detect that, whether you have the potential to be a jerk or you're kind of slipping into the work jerkery is to ask for very specific feedback from people. So don't go to your direct reports and say, am I a jerk here? Am I micromanaging you? Am I smothering you? The, the more global, the less accurate the feedback will be. Ask for very specific feedback. Did I give you enough time to speak up in that meeting? Did I give you enough time to turn that report around? Specific questions will get specific answers and those are much more useful and they're much more accurate. People tend to lie to their bosses. They hate giving upward feedback. They're never gonna give that kind of stuff. So you have to ask it sort of immediately and frequently. It needs to be very small, small bites. And then there you can start building a story of what your weaknesses are. And we all have them. You know, I tried to throw myself under, under the bus in my book a few times just to sort of illustrate that it's important to have self-awareness. But I really think that's the key to getting that is don't sit around and expect to get that feedback. You have to learn to ask for it in a very kind of nuanced, specific way. Yeah, that really resonates with me because unless you ask for it, you're just never going to know. You only get the feedback that you seek. So yeah. point well taken. The book is Jerks at Work. The author is Tessa West. Tessa, thanks for sharing your wish with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. It helps others find us. For more ideas on how to communicate with impact, visit my website, joehirsch.me. See you next time.